Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. I've been shooting Kent for over God, 15 years when I was in college. I had to wait tables and bartend just to be able to afford shotgun shells to go duck hunting. Nothing's changed in that time frame. Kent killed ducks then, and it kills ducks now. That's why I still shoot it. Fast Steel 2.0 is just the evolution of Kent's reliable, effective, and industry-leading steel shot technology. You can find it at your local dealer or uh, head over to kentcartridge.com to check out their entire lineup of shot shells. So I go high above the timber line High above the timber line The ghosts that always trail me Get lost among the pines I go Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcome in each and every one of you into episode 611 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. That's uh, Timberline, by the way. Great tune from my friend Alex, a.k.a. Bubba. Bellin, and he just put that out on Spotify, I believe, last week, um, sometime in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, check it out, Timberline by Alex Bellin, who's a, a duck hunting son of a gun in his own right, which uh, we're going to talk some ducks today, actually. But before I get ahead of myself, you know what to do by now, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire, pour yourself another cup of Black Rifle coffee. Out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago, because we are ready to rock and roll. And this week's entire show was recorded at the Pavor Outdoors Lodge in Seymour, Texas last week. The bourbon was flowing, and so was the conversation. It's always one of my favorite hunts of the year. This was either the 6th or 7th annual. I always just call it our Duck and Hogapalooza weekend with Pavor Outdoors. My good friends from Missouri come down uh from uh, they're from northern missouri they don't have hogs up there so scott callahan has been a friend of mine for a long time we actually met through social media he used to have a podcast of his own but uh i think sean has soured on that and has certainly soured on social media i was trying to tag him on a post the other day and he was gone so maybe we'll find out what's up with that but uh sean and his cousin jeff callahan they always come, and they've made a uh, a routine of bringing Sean's stepdad, Mike, and their good friend, Eric. And I think they've both been for the last three or four years. So we all have gotten to know each other quite well. It makes for some great conversation. And when it comes to just being passionate about all things hunting, uh, these dudes live it and breathe it. They are exceptional wild game cooks. Their wild game sausage making skills are out of this world. <laughs> I always bring home a cooler full of it, luckily for me, right? Um, but we'll probably get into all of that stuff. We'll talk some waterfowling. We'll talk thermal hogs, which at the time this was taped, they had killed four. They ended up with six. And Sean killed four of them. Poor Mike and Eric didn't even get on the scoreboard this year, but that's the way hunting goes sometimes. But six pigs between the four of them over a couple nights of thermal hog hunting 
And this is all stand hunting here at uh, Pavor Outdoors. And the hogs come, let me tell you. You're going to get opportunities. Uh, so we did that. We hunted ducks a couple days. First couple hunts without Bell. That was very weird for me personally. Not having, not just my dog. I mean, I had not hunted one time without Bell in 11 years. And that was a luxury. Because a lot of times, you know, a friend will invite you to to go to his spot. And then it's kind of like, well, can I bring my dog? Well, if they have a dog, it's not really your place to ask. I asked every time. Why did I do that? Why did I feel comfortable doing that? Because Belle was a perfect lady in the blind. She honored other dogs' retrieves. She didn't whine. And she didn't do jack diddly squat until I told her to do that. And to have that rapport and faith in your four-legged hunting partner that they're not going to embarrass you, they're not going to screw up the hunt for someone else, I mean, it's a luxury. Um, I'm going to miss that immensely. And I, I go back to that Sandhill Crane Hunt in Lubbock in November while Belle was riddled with cancer. And I took her on that hunt. And she did things that she'd never been asked to do, like get inside a layout blind with me. Okay, Dad, uh, that's what we're doing. Then you just show me, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. So I don't know if it was therapeutic to go hunting without her. Like for the first time, it, I, I didn't cry, and I honestly thought that I would. So maybe that's a good sign, but something was certainly missing. And and I really didn't like having to go get the ducks myself. That was, uh, yeah, I'm... I don't know, and a lot of people duck on without dogs. I just don't know if I'm that if that's me. Like I think the dog is half the reason why I love it so much. But it was good to be in the blind with familiar faces who all know Belle so well, and, and the stories were many. Uh, so anyway, uh, Sean and Jeff Callahan will be here for the first couple segments, and uh, then we'll throw Greg Pavor, my longtime friend and outfitter, into the conversation as well. He's got a funny story about some of the sacrifices he made when he started out as an outfitter in his late 20s. Uh, well, it's going to make you laugh, I guarantee you. And I didn't even know about this until Greg and I were having a few bourbons a couple weeks ago when I was whitetail hunting with him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how bad do you want something? Because you got to make sacrifices, and Greg certainly did that. Uh, so maybe you'll find some inspiration there. Well, moving on, let's do a quick giveaway here. Uh, this one is from the good folks over at Havilon Knives. They've sent me a Peranta Bolt, same model I used to clean uh, a deer with last weekend during our late antlerless and uh, doe season, so spikes and does only. Uh, did shoot a deer on Friday, put some more meat in the freezer, and did it with my granddad's 3030 uh, Marlin that I inherited uh, he died in 2008 that gun went to my uncle then to my cousin who had no use for it now it is mine and uh it is certainly a, a an heirloom that i treasure and to put my hands on that old wooden stock and to take an animal with it just like i'm sure my grandfather did many times it was pretty sentimental for me so uh, that was a pretty neat way to wrap up deer season but just email the word Havilon. That's Havilon to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get you entered into this week's Havilon giveaway. Coming up next, it's Tales from Hunting Camp with Sean and Jeff Callahan on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Sometimes it's life, there's life. Big old dream, I'm floating high on cloud inside. With my 
Hey guys, Cable here, and we all know that last year was a rough year when it comes to censorship of hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you and me. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends to join us as well. As you earn points, you'll unlock awesome rewards. So gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you'll get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. You better check your pulse Cause you ain't lived yet Till you've seen the steam From a Labrador's breath His tail starts thumping When you load the gun But we've been waiting on a day With a stiff north wind Cause when it kicks up They're gonna ride it on in Oh, Justin Bowerman Our good friend in the duck blind Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms, Cable Smith here with you as always. We're about to head to the duck blind with a couple good friends of mine. But before we do that, this segment of the show brought to you by something you wouldn't catch me in the duck blind without, and that is the new Mossberg 940 Pro Waterfowl. Best thing about it, it is a sweet shooter, shoulders beautifully, and for me... It sounds great when you tell me that I can shoot 1,500 times without having to clean the thing. How badass is that? Yeah, you can get it all for under $1,000, too. It's the Mossberg 940 Pro Waterfowl. And with that being said, let's dive into that conversation we taped at the Pavor Outdoors Lodge in Seymour, Texas last week. There was a Woodford Reserve on the rocks. The conversation was flowing as well. So here they are, my Missouri boys, Sean and Jeff Callahan. Welcome, fellas. You know, uh, Jeff, I was just telling Sean prior to handing him the microphone to try to refrain from saying the F word. He likes to use it a lot because it uh, causes a big headache for me having to go back and edit them all out. And his uh, initial reply was, well, f***. <laughs> <laughs> Never happens. Oh, well, I'm here with two of my good friends. And uh, Jeff, if you'll go first, state your name, your age, vaccination status, and uh, mar <laughs> marital status, please. I'm Jeff Callahan, uh, almost 59. I am true blood, and I am full of antibodies. I'm married, have been for 37 years, <coughs> and that's pretty much me. I'm still hacking up lung pieces. Yeah, that Omicron's gone around. I think we all showed up here on the mend from that thing. So, everybody but Mike, maybe. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've known you guys a long time. Well, 
I guess Sean and I have been friends through social media for maybe a decade, and then yeah, we actually started hunting together. About this is our sixth annual trip. I, I think so. Yep. It it may be one more than that. I'm not sure. It's not one less. I know that. You have to talk in the microphone, Sean. You can't, like you can't hear this thing. This thing, yeah, like close, close. Said it may be one more, but it's definitely not one less. Did you so. just say you can't hear through the microphone? That's because did you hear his shotgun this morning? That thing was so. <laughs> oh. I can't hear either. It's like it was, I don't know if they make muzzle brakes for shotguns, but it sounds like that's what it was. It's terrible. Oh, death. I have tinnitus in my ear. Um, so we've been coming to Seymour. You guys come all the way from Missouri. Um, why do you guys keep coming back? Well, first off, it's Texas, and it's warm. We don't have pigs. The duck hunting is great. We eat everything there is to eat. Uh, we make everything. Uh, Greg is a is a great guy. We just it's just an absolute. You know, this is it's just a ball. I look forward to this so much every year. Yeah. We usually do like two duck hunts and three nights of thermal hog hunting. Yeah. You guys end up leaving here with a bunch of meat. <laughs> T- typically, yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I think last year was probably about. I can't. The duck hunting may not have been the greatest, we but it also wasn't bad. I mean, we've we, we've yeah, had yeah. some weird seasons, man. Like. Still, we killed, but we still uh, killed the hog hunting them. was absolutely phenomenal. You know, the duck hunting here, like so, I'm, I live three hours uh, east of here in the Dallas area. The duck hunting here in Seymour infinitely better than it is back home. I tell you, yeah. the last two years have been awful, awful season. So yeah. come here to get. We got twenty seven birds yesterday, a uh, mix of mallard, wigeon, pintail, few teal, and then today it slowed down a little. We only got twelve. Yeah, but, uh, twelve is still. I wouldn't good. really say that was totally our fault. <laughs> Sometimes it's circumstantial, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, the duck hunting's been good. It's it, you know that, this is the first time I've hunted in eleven years without that little chocolate girl by my side. And I know you guys. Yeah. Them. Yep. That's a. Uh, you know, it's tough. One, one of us is missing. That's how it feels. Yeah. yeah. And we're sitting in the lodge right now. She usually just be sitting over there. Probably be up by Jeff because he's yep. a sucker and she knows that wagon tails. Petting her, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, if there's a dog around, <laughs> I've got my hand on it. Yeah, I think it's the first time for any of us to even hunt without a dog in probably four years, at least. And for me, you even for longer, forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, so yesterday Greg's dog Milo hunted with us, and then this morning uh, we kind of self guided our, our hunt and let Greg sleep in because he's a new dad and uh, runs him ragged, staying up all night trying to put us on pigs, and then getting out uh, at four thirty to go duck hunting. So. We didn't have a dog at all today. That was weird. Very weird for me. Kind of sucked. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Well, I was sitting there. I'm like, man. Is that your own ducks? What in the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I thought we were just going to leave them all laying there. I didn't know how to pick one up. Just uh, wait till the wind blows them to the bank, I guess. Yeah. You know? uh, but, yeah, well, next year I'll have, uh, have Joe here, and we'll see how she, if she's got her mind right and ready to rock and roll. But. It'll be interesting. Um, Jeff, talk about your background as a hunter. You're, like I said, Sean and I are both 40. You're approaching 60. When did you start hunting, and what was the first thing that you... Hey, we don't have to call names here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I don't remember not ever hunting. My mm-hmm. dad and mom have always been outdoor people. Uh, we've got pictures of 
me on my dad's back was he's he was going to Arkansas hunting hogs uh-huh. uh, and he hunted with you know I mean it was before the time of compound bows recurves uh, old uh, bare deadheads and bodkins you know you sharpen them with a file they shot at everything I mean 40 pound bows they shot at stumps shot at rocks then they'd turn around and try to kill a pig with it <laughs> you know and uh, so uh, and that's my not dad, a story either that's true but that's one thing growing up my dad never liked was waterfowling because it involved water and involved cold my and getting up very early so I started waterfowling probably early high school Mm-hmm. And that, it's that's become one of it's just you're either waterfowl or you're not, yeah. and that's been always been one of my things. Uh, my dad was always uh, like deer hunting, the hog hunting, small game. I mean, I grew up hunting squirrels, rabbits. My dad loved squirrel hunting, hunt, and you know if you hunt squirrels, you hunt with a rifle. And to this day, I I love my squirrel hunting. I hunt with an air rifle a lot. You know, I like small guns. Bullet placement's my thing. Uh, I would love to be a upland bird hunter, but the upland birds have just disappeared. In my lifetime, it's just unreal how we have lost them. Yeah. Just unreal. So you spend more time hunting waterfowl. So what, part, so what part of Missouri are you guys in? We're from northwest Missouri, Kansas City area. Uh-huh. And I've done most of my hunting, especially the, the upland game, from north central to northwest Missouri southern Iowa, and parts of Nebraska. You'd think I'd hop the border over to Kansas and hunt them. And I just, I have never hunted up in game. In, I've never hunted Kansas, period. So in your lifetime, the quails pretty much disappeared? Oh, it, bad. Yeah, to me. I I used to, when I when I ran my, my German short hairs and stuff, I would average no less than 150 quail a year. Hmm. And, you know, that's, and I'm a working man, so I get, only get to hunt weekends. Mm-hmm. And it's just gone down. In a decade, I saw it go from, you know, a, a normal day would be anywhere from five to eight coveys of birds. And I've seen it go down to where you can walk an entire day and with a good dog and not find a bird. Mm-hmm. I'd I mean, say it's not just even upland, just ground nesting birds in general, too. Because yeah. I didn't get into turkey hunting lane. I was primarily just upland and small game and stuff like that. With my dad, I mean, he hunted. for so, He didn't do the waterfowl thing either. Um I guess when I was a kid, I don't know why. Because, uh, I mean, you guys, I hear you waterfowl hunted, him and John. Yeah, had a well, duck actually, lease actually or water, lease he or changed whatever. Waterfowling. Uh, up in our area, we used to have uh, what, Swan Lake National Refuge. And it would hold at times up to half a million Canada geese. And, you know, they were migrating geese. We'd start seeing them in, in the middle of October. Now we see we don't start seeing geese mm. in our area until late November, early December. Oh hell, even if uh, and they don't do not come to the refuge anymore. Mm. I mean, you might get thirty thousand geese, and that is for the size of that refuge, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. But his his dad, my cousin Danny, he's he he's older than I am, he, and he's one of the ones kind of started help. You know, I started hunting waterfowl with him, and we'd go get on the refuge, and it was just an absolute uh, just ridiculous. It. So nobody, F hunted, show. nobody hunted these with decoys. Geese. What's that? You would just pass shoot these geese. Uh, well, no, they'd come, kind of come to the fields, but 90, 90% of the time, you're just pass shooting them. You'd, they'd put, they rented decoys, and they're just shells. <laughs> and you'd put them out. Uh, we had the old, what is it, old A50s or whatever, plat, the 
plastic goose calls and you'd call to them. It didn't do much good. So yeah, 90% of it was pass shooting. And if you didn't draw on the right side of the refuge, you're bird watching. <laughs> and you're for a big part of the season, you were allowed one. And then the late, later part of the season was two. And that refuge is what set our goose season. It would start October. The you were last, allowed one goose? Yeah. One goose at that time. Wow. And uh, people came from all over the country to hunt this place. And the goose capital of the world. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a like huge they, deal. Now there's, there's nothing. I thought that was Lubbock. It, it's really strange how they, they, they do the season. You'd open the last Saturday of October, mm-hmm. and in the Swan Lake zone, season would go until they reached X amount of geese killed on the refuge. So as you start getting into the middle of December, you had to start looking at the newspaper because, you know, we didn't have social media, you know. So you start looking at the newspaper and check season because when they hit their limit, it shut off that the very next day. It shut off. There's no warning. It's like, all right, we've hit our, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's 20,000 geese on the refuge. We hit goose number 20,000. It's done. Yeah. Uh, the net very, I mean, it might be in the afternoon they hit 20,000. The next morning season ended. And you had, and it was it's wild the, how much things have changed. And it was in the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole zone was the state, the state wide everywhere else had the season lasted. But the Swan Lake zone, there's about a three county area there. It was done. It just ended. It was, if, if you're not familiar with Swan Lake, uh, there is a very, very uh, predominant organization there now. <laughs> uh, Habitat Flats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy that saw a dying refuge. And I don't want to say dying, but for hunting. It kind of just started not being what it was, and he—that's an investor, Vandemore, mm-hmm. that is—and kind of revamped that whole area. And now, the whole well, habitat. Did, I mean, you guys still spend a lot of time goose hunting now, like Sean. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. there though. That—that's right. That is almost exclusively turned into like a snow goose, uh, I guess. Reservoir. It uh, still draws a lot. Of ducks. It draws some geese. A lot of and ducks. A lot of, and a lot of ducks, but just so the geese aren't. The like demographic the of waterfowl that go to that now isn't the goose. They've Smithville Lake holds. Yeah, Smithville area hundreds holds. of thousands. Yes. Of well, I say that I that could be wrong, but thousands and thousands so upon the thousands. the way that you guys hunt now, are you knocking on doors, or do you have certain places? <clears> yeah. Yes. Yes, and yes. Uh, yeah. And permissions, that's another thing that has kind of gotten weird over the past decade, I'll say, is you don't get them anymore. Like, not even, either either the farmers want a ton of money because of the business that it's become, and or the last group of hunters came in and turned it into a brothel and goose carcasses in the ditch and beer boxes in the and ditch shells and everywhere. shells everywhere. And right. Just a complete lack of, yeah. lack of respect towards, you know, the landowner and it's 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 uh and you also know how anything that fields and fields like that in yeah. big groups they're going to bounce from place so no. you know if if it takes a lot of a lot of time to really be successful a lot of time scouting you know mm-hmm. and it we all work so we don't have that much time so a lot of times we go to places we have that are in good places and run traffic and running traffic is just it's, it's very frustrating and some days it's just dynamite but you know, some days it's just hard. I mean, you're, you know, you are just that close to slaying them, and it just doesn't work <laughs> out. You know, it just when they, when they don't, if it's not a place they want to be. They, you know, they're very cautious when they come in. Oh yeah. If you're in the field that they've been feeding in, nobody's harassed them. You become the world's greatest yeah. goose caller, and just like ah, oh, I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. The next day, it's like 
I hate them all. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. And how was the water, like, how was the duck hunting specifically changed? Sean, you, you told me yesterday. Oh, it's horrible. You guys used to see, number one, and shoot, number two, a lot more ducks than you do today. Um, you guys are in the, the Mississippi flyway. We're, yes. Yeah, so we're kind of in that little golden triangle area. We're, we're kind of primarily where we would hunt. We're kind of stuck between Tony Vandemore, Grand Pass, Fountain Grove, Bob Brown, um, Swan Lake, Swan Lake, and all these all these places. So, uh, you know, as to where we come down here, and it, I mean, it's noticeable. Like right when we leave our state of Missouri, which I don't want to complain too much about about the waterfowl hunting there, but the way that they've set this up with their refuges like Grand Pass and Four Rivers. Shallow Sage, Bob Brown, they've basically set up waterfowl refuges and made it just easy, like uh, hunting for lazy people. You don't have to scout. They have refuges that hold 100,000, 300,000 ducks. And people go in there and just You just draw go a draw plane. a pill and, 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 and you hunt. And so you drive around, I would say a... I wouldn't even say 400 mile radius like i mean it, they're all we're littered so well, anywhere that there was predominantly a decent amount of ducks anyways they've built these drawing places and i've i can't talk too much crap because i've killed a lot of ducks at all of these places and, and the problem you know, is it's not a uh, first come first serve no know. it is no, not a first no, it's come a, it's a, there at three in the morning and it doesn't and, matter and the yes. person that got there at five in the morning yeah, still gets like, a ping pong no no yeah. no not really you uh you still have to show up. You have to show up, and it is a set time, and it's early, so that they, that you can get through all the parties, uh, and draw, and still get set up. And for public land hunting, they are they are fabulous. It's some of the. the Will you get if you if you're there at three a.m. and you're the first one there? Are you still? Are you no, you're, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Oh hell no. Then well, what, that's the re- ridiculous. Well, okay, now why how, the hell would anyone want to do that? It's two well, thirty. So I the go problem. Draw my thing and be, I, then I don't get drawn, and then I just go home. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we're lucky because we have places to go around yeah. there. Yeah. A lot uh, of and, people don't. And keep in mind that we're we're talking about hunting is probably other you know the Boot Hill of Missouri is. Uh, you know, historically great place to hunt. It's a com- yeah, it's a completely different uh, type of structure you know, you're too. Northern yeah. Arkansas, uh, uh, Western Mississippi, you know, Tunica, Mississippi area. They ha- they they it, waterfowl is big there. They call us the Golden Triangle up there, and I mean, we sound like you know there are no ducks. There's a lot of ducks. There's a, There's a ton lot of, of ducks. Golden Triangles. Okay? Yeah, There's and, a, yeah. South Texas has the Golden Triangle of deer yeah. hunting. Yep. Then you go to Pike County, Illinois, and you're yes. in the other Golden Triangle yes. of deer hunting, which I've, and, I've deer and, hunted there but before. For Missouri, you know, in in our our area, you know, it is you know they call all it the Golden ducks Triangle. are congregated is, in specific areas for public for public duck hunting. It's about it's as good as it gets, and they have to have the 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 draw system because. Most people don't have areas of their own to go. So, you know, you only have X amount of area and wait, you know, a hundred times more people want to go to that. Uh, Grand Pass, you know, they they bring on more uh, places to hunt, you know, more parties are allowed in as the season progresses because they bring the water up slow. So you're always getting new flooded corn. Mm-hmm. So it's always new, always new. Well, we certainly don't have the agriculture that you guys have uh, around the Reservoirs that I grew up hunting, Cooper, Ray Bob, Tawakany, Louisville, Caddo Mills, I mean, you name it. But we always had a spot. I'd get there at 3 a.m. I didn't have to worry that 
I wouldn't have a place to hunt. So I guess it's a catch-22. I want to continue this conversation, though, and dive a little deeper into uh, short-stopping ducks. Are these places like Habitat Flats responsible for birds hanging up and, and not coming all the way south, you know, to the uh, southern tips of the Mississippi Flyway, or in my case, the Central Flyway? We'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam. If you haven't checked out the DS4K Ultra, you need to. It is the best highest quality 4k video on the market you can find it in their entire lineup of trail cameras right there at stealthcam.com we'll be right back on sci's lone star outdoor show i love this state you know i do but the best thing in this state is you i love you even more than i love texas Hey guys, Cable Smith here for Stealth Cam. You know that I've been with Stealth Cam for a long time, and there's a reason for that. The cameras are reliable, and they offer the best photo quality in the industry. Check out the Reactor or the Fusion. Those are the latest and greatest wireless cell cameras from Stealth Cam, sending images to the Stealth Cam app right there on your phone. It's like Christmas every day. Instant updates. Check those cameras. Get those bucks pattern, or know when you need to be at a certain stand because the hogs are coming in, like clockwork. Whatever the case, check it out. You can find the entire lineup of Stealth Cameras cameras. <laughs> that sounds funny. You can find the <laughs> you can find the entire lineup at stealthcam.com. Cable here for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared, and then start beating Dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving. And they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldweight, Texas. I'm carrying a cross. It's the least I can do. He carried one for me. I can carry one too. Down the darkest road, I'll never get lost. Following the light, burning in the night, I'm carrying a cross. Cable Smith welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with uh, Sean and Jeff Callahan talking Missouri Ducks. Going to take a look at, uh, I don't know, people talk about shortstopping. They talk about global warming. What do they think? What do they see in the Mississippi Flyway? Or maybe for them it's just um, 
a simple matter of changing habitat. Folks taking these reservoirs, flooding them, buying up tracts of land like they've alluded to, and turning them into duck clubs. Can that be happening on such a large scale that it's really impacting migration? We'll discuss in a second. This segment brought to you by NUMA Outdoors in the Alpha Vertex jacket and pants. It's what I wore in the whitetail woods all season. It's what I wore duck hunting with the boys last week because, well, the day that I didn't have to wear waders when Greg was guiding. The other day, I had to put on the monkey suit and wear the waders. But, uh, yeah, the Alpha Vertex, perfect for temperatures, let's just say, you know, 35 and up. So, Texas whitetail hunters, waterfowlers, check it out. You can find the Alpha Vertex at numaoutdoors.com. With that being said, let's get back into it here. Uh, guys, it sounds daunting trying to hunt ducks on public land in Missouri. That's, you know, it's competitive in Texas, and that's probably only more so. I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit over the years, still go a couple times, but now I try to hunt as much private as I can. I'm older, I have kids, I want to take them. But uh, yeah, the way that you've described Missouri, I don't, I don't know if I'd like that. I think and, opening and day, 300 and some, 350 people showed up to hunt. 22 spots. 22 spots that would hold four people each. All, all, all those 22 spots better have had four-man limits going on. They, they, pretty, they pretty much. So here's, I'm to the point that I would knock, knock the levees out and I would let the ducks go back to how they should be like you told me that but, you've gone duck hunting three times and yeah. you've killed zero, seen uh -oh. zero haven't ducks. seen nothing i no, i saw i saw maybe four or five ducks oh dude yeah now here's the thing where do these ducks go i mean do they just not leave the reservoirs they, they got to go somewhere they, they go down in the river bottoms and but almost if there's any type of duck habitat down there now it has been bought up in a 10 acre tract a 20 acre tract it's flooded corn and uh there are so many water control duck areas. Uh, you know, duck clubs come in. Mm -hmm. yep. And, you know, it's a richy rich sport. It, and it's just, you know, it, it cuts out the average person. But once yeah. again, you only have so much ground, so much. Mm -hmm. And we can't complain a whole lot of the refuges and even habitat flats. Uh, Mo Marsh has a place up there. But they hold a ton of ducks. Yeah. But those same ducks that they're holding because they have, they have, it's a catch twenty two. There's a lot of ducks in the area, but guys that don't have areas like that are not going to get right. to shoot the ducks. When and you so when you leave Missouri and you instantly go into uh, Oklahoma, but you'll start seeing five or six ducks on every little bitty tank pond, whatever you call them. And and it's when you leave the when you leave the state, like you leave our state, and you'll start doing seeing that. You go to Kansas, same thing. The best duck hunting I've, I've ever experienced was in Kansas. Oh, Kansas yeah, is phenomenal. They have, Down. and it's all about habitat. They have a lot of natural habitat. Reservoir there, but no drawing or anything. Just yeah. woke up and just went. And, that's basically how I started hunting in North Texas on Ray Roberts and Louisville and Cooper and all these other reservoirs. There wasn't a draw. I just show up. I mean, I think there was eight of us, and we shot all Drake greenheads. Yeah. And, like, the kickers were all sprigs. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all public, and I was like, "This is insane." But yeah. you know, we just south of us, we have Truman Lake, and it's mm -hmm. it's a coral lake. Everything there's really nothing on the water or the bank that is not open to the public, and it used to be absolutely phenomenal when the, the lake was formed. But now it's a bigger lake. 
Still a lot of guys kill a lot of ducks yeah. on Truman. You need but a boat. Well, not even necessarily. You need transportation. Well, uh, a boat you probably makes, should have a boat. A boat makes a big difference. You're doing a lot and, of walking. And time to scout. Yep. You know, that the ducks are just like the fish in that lake. You, when you pull up that lake, you look at all the timber flooded and everything, you go, this is great fishing. Well, you know, the whole the old saying, you know, 10% of the fish live in, or 90% of the fish live in 10% of the lake. Mm-hmm. Ducks are the same way. They're not just going to filter into every single cove. They're just, yep. so and and they move. You know they get pressures, so they move. So you kind of like kind of like the guys hunting the green timber in our, in down in Arkansas. You know that's all public. You, gotta they, you just mobile. don't go set up just wherever. I mean, a lot of people do. They don't kill ducks every day. The, the successful guys, you know, they hunt that morning. Then they're in their boats and they're looking for another place to hunt. Truman is the same way. And if you don't live down there or that you have the time to do it, it's tough. But if you do have the time to do it, it's a it's a great. In Missouri too, there's a lot of public areas that are not the draw-in areas that are fantastic. I've been to several with my buddy Dave. Um, He is this year not as much, but he was he was I knew him because he was my asphalt salesman. Um, So his job was very freelance, and he could travel and set his hours and. Mm You know, we had that in common. So he'd be like, "Hey, work trip, let's go duck hunting." We're like, "All right." And, and there are several this is a work trip for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are several areas that it would be more like work trips of the year, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's several several areas that would be more like a Kansas public yeah. refuge, or I would say Texas, that are ju- it's just managed marsh. And you know, there's there's some there's foods in there, but they're like natural foods, like you know, millets and smart weeds, and you know, stuff that the ducks would normally eat on. That uh, you're not gonna have the show, I guess. And I think that's what Grand Pass gives you, like if you've never seen anything like it. And I, everybody should experience something like that at least once just oh, to I'm, see it. This refuge in Kansas sounds exactly. Like so you're gonna have how it's set up is there's several, I think six different pools. That you can hunt well i know more than that six numbered pools that you can hunt and then they're split up beaver slough otter slough uh wellhead Pretty and just other various names um and and what it is is these things are all levied row cropped and then they'll leave standing corn and, and then, this is public ground yes yeah so you're it's basically like if these are the practices why ducks just don't come down to North Texas. But a lot of it still is the weather. Um, For sure. If, if it's if it's a normal winter and there's a foot of snow on the ground, there's those ducks there are going to be limited to what they have in that refuge. They're not going to be able to fly off. And that's the thing about it. The refuge in that place will hold ducks because it has a ton of food. And they shut hunting down at 1 o'clock. So they got free range of the entire place from 1 o'clock on. So they have plenty of food and vegetation they can get, but as soon as it gets kind of icy, the conditions get hazardous. And if there's snow on the ground, they have no food. If they have open water and open rain to the cornfields, geese and mallards are not going to go anywhere. No. They like cold weather. I've been ducks almost 20 years. The number of mallards we see in North Texas on the reservoirs that where Greg and I met and started hunting together, it's the weather... But it's also those ag practices. I'm not, I, it, it is a lot, and I think, you know, duck hunting's changed a little bit over the years, but Grand Pass has been around forever. 
and they've well, done it. Well, in your, your lifetime it has been. Yes, but mine. there's <laughs> there's guys that are your age that are like, oh, God, I fought that battle when I was probably five years old, you know? Yeah. And so I think the lack thereof of snow lines, is it plays a big factor. Um, and I think yeah. the temperatures, when you have the same temps in Missouri that you have in South Dakota, cin- yeah. Central or Southern South Dakota, Nebraska, Nebraska is another one. They hold a ton of ducks up there. You know right. what I mean? That's the, if you fly, follow, they're screwing it, us too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's it, the weather. Don't blame them. Weather and habitat. Short end of the stick down here in Texas. Yeah. I mean, we're the tail end of the. Central no, and we we can we feel you, man. We see that on a on the on kind of the same level too. You know, you got guys. At some point, we're gonna have to travel to North Dakota or South Dakota if we really yeah, want to well, start like, killing birds because you can't push the season back too late because then you start getting into. They're uh, they'll start well, mating a, and pairing it's a federal up. Federal law, it, like, right? Our it season ends on January thirtieth, yeah. which is the and last a, day. But there's a reason that for let that. us do that. It's because the mating cycle is going to start right. happening, and and you know weather can switch around in a heartbeat. You know, yeah, we, this is seems we're on a trend. crappy cycles basically. We, what it we could be down to. next year. It could be you know we could be froze up by December. There's been a lot of duck seasons that we are froze tight before. Mm-hmm. Se- and we used to start duck season earlier in October, and we'd be froze up before christmas mm-hmm. and it's kind of pushed back it could go right go right back to that now that would be awesome no, no I, hey well, mark mark guys. my words yeah, here and i want everybody if i'm wrong i'm wrong but within the next three years i think the cycle is going to go back it, it really? could everything i didn't know you were a scientist Sean. No, so I've, I've noticed this opinion. and this is the one thing i've noticed <laughs> well, mark i've been in the construction industry for 20 plus years I've done concrete and asphalt Calvin. for twenty plus years. He, well, he, well, he you fo- get your PhD. In- he, no, no, no. he follows the science. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't work in the winter if it's if it's crappy, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the things that I've noticed is there's almost like a seven year cycle of oh my god, we haven't had a day off and we worked all the way up until February. Well, it's or getting getting over Sean's sob story, having to work the whole year, get back to the ducks. Grand Pass is is a is an absolute uh, wonderful thing and a terrible thing. Sometimes for the guys in, in southern Missouri, northern Arkansas, if we have a mild year and then it gets cold up north and so our season can be over but still open, yeah. they might be holding half a million mallards that would normally yeah. filter down through the boot hill and the Mississippi. And it's like those guys going, oh, my God. They're, you know, Greg, they're, we're trying to record a podcast. But they, <laughs> but they, you know, and, we got a great sound effects guy. His name's Greg. The people down south. He makes all this happen. But the people down south are bitching. Oh, they're doing that on purpose to hold the ducks. They're really not. They're, Farming they, ducks. They, they give them a great ago. place to, when they migrate south, they're in good shape. When they migrate back north, you know, even in a good year, uh, good duck hunting year, we get good weather and, and everything moves down like it used to. When those ducks leave, so many people, when duck season's over, they're done with them. Well, those ducks and geese, as they're migrating back through and hitting these refuges, they have a safe place to go. They have plenty of food, plenty of water, and they, they, they stage in there. And when they hit the breeding grounds, they're in very good shape to have, you know, the better shape they are when they get there, the better their hatches are going to be. Mm-hmm. Snow geese are a perfect example of that. They used to not, their populations were never really a problem. But we didn't have the rice they have now, and stuff. And the geese have adapted. Oh, well, to in it. Texas, we have way less rice than we did. Like, the, well, you know, Arkansas the Prairie uh, used to be like the the mecca for for goose hunting in Texas, it, and that's it, it, that's changed a lot. A lot, yeah. Why? And because uh, we don't have the rice production right. anymore. How but, come that stopped? Just just asking. Well, I don't know. Is it is it the weather has changed to where you can't? Is I it think the just not as much demand ground or? Oh, okay. I don't know why. All I know is a lot of that. Rice production is gone. 
Hmm. When my grandfather um, used to hunt ducks down there, it was, I think it was the, the cap, they called it the goose hunting capital of the Central Flyway for sure. Hmm. I mean, the Katy Perry is legendary. I, obviously, it was before my time. I'm yeah. not saying they still don't get some geese. But oh, I, when I was a kid, I used to read Outdoor Life and you know because we, we didn't have outdoor television and stuff. Right. Out, out, outdoor Life, Field and Stream, and I, that's one of the places. You know, I, that that is where the snow goose flags kind of originated. They used diapers, they used trash bags, paper plates, <laughs> and they killed the hell out of snow geese. T- back Texas there. rags used to be white handkerchiefs. To come to Texas and hunt geese and quail, you know, because you guys at that time, you know, quail was just crazy yeah. in Texas, and as that. Growing up as a kid, that was always a big dream to come to Texas and goose hunt. But of course, you know that was never going to happen with my dad because it's he is not about to chase him nasty bastards. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that is not his We're life. Not driving he, to Texas for the he, sky car. The, yeah, he says yeah. there's no reason to drive to Texas to shoot a damn goose when we can go right out here in the timber and shoot squirrels. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, come on, Dad. Yeah. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to. Switch things up and talk uh, because one of the things we always do on this trip is push the envelope on our uh, culinary experiences and what we will and, and yeah. I, w- I was going to say won't eat, but that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> it's only the will <laughs> what we will eat and do eat. We still may shoot a coon. Uh, hell, Sean, why stop there? Let's get an armadillo, a skunk, and a, a possum in the mix as well. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, all kinds of interesting wild game stuff coming at you after the break. That segment. Brought to you by SCI, who this weekend in Las Vegas celebrate 50 years as the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to encourage you to be a part of this organization. No group is doing more to protect your rights as a hunter, to further the conservation initiative, and to educate the general public on why hunting is conservation. For more info, check us out at safariclub.org, and I look forward to seeing everyone at Mandalay Bay in Vegas this weekend. Up next, my good friend of nearly 20 years, Greg Pavor, joins the mix right here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. And I'm headed down the highway. See the world a piece at a time. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Hey guys, Cable here. And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have for a long time set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or 
a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a uh, specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. And then and as you take my hand past the creek down by the hollow or through your daddy's land and I could buy you a diamond but I cannot change Whiskey Myers bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. As always, I've still got uh, Sean and Jeff Callahan here riding shotgun today. We're going to add Greg Favor. Longtime friend of the show, uh, my good buddy and outfitter, into the conversation momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by Vortex Wear. They've got everything under the sun from the gun range to filling feeders to the boat to the bar, you name it. Leisure wear, performance outerwear, Vortex has it all. You can find it at vortexwear.com. And of course, they still got the caps, t shirts, hoodies, all that stuff that. You've always known Vortex for, uh, but now an entire lineup of apparel to go with it. Plus, you'll get 20% off when you use that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Well, let's go ahead and pick it back up with a roundtable discussion we recorded last, I believe it was Friday, at the uh, Pavor Outdoors Lodge in Seymour, Texas. Well, guys, thanks for sticking around. Not that you really had a choice. This is the time of the day where we sit around and... He's actually got us locked in here. Yeah. Uh, Slightly scary. We eat eat like a a real early dinner because we want to be in the blind by 4, 4 4.30 at the latest to get ready for thermal hog hunting. So yesterday we did the javelina uh, and we've added... Which was phenomenal, by the way. You liked it? Yeah, it was good. Loved it. It was good stuff. Uh, Shout out to my buddy... Chisholm Cook for the uh, recipe. And that's the third time I've made that this year. Well, he made it once for us in, at his uh, ranch in South Texas. I brought it home and made it for my kiddos, and now I've made it for you guys. And, I don't uh, have javelinas, but I would like to try that on uh, our boars and sows here. I bet we good. Yeah. We've got a couple crow here that uh, <laughs> we're going to try. You know, yeah, Which, it, to me. My this... favorite part about the crow, though, was how they got called in. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you need a fox pro or nothing when you got Sean. Sean, give here. us a demonstration. Oh, God. He's a, he's a we're we're sitting there duck hunting. <laughs> we hear a crow, and Sean is going, <laughs> that's better than any Fox Pro I know. And it worked. Like so, six. yes, it's it, in, anybody, anybody that's hunted. Hunted with me for any kind of birds, Jeff. I mean, I I, I just did it one day, and I'm like, yeah. Jeff's like, 
damn, do that again. I think they're coming. <laughs> and sure as I mean, sure as hell, here come crows. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So just always joke. I, there has to be some kind of mouth. Going I've hunted crows for fun with the fox bro. Greg and I have actually done yeah. it out here one time. It's a lot of fun. It yeah. is. I never thought to eat them. Like you know, yeah. you can. Get depredation. What's yeah, old crow? Old crow pie. Yeah. People don't like crows around, especially not in a lot of numbers. They're messy. Yeah. They eat your pecan orchard up, and they're jerks. Hey, you know, those, those, those crows we killed yesterday. I was watching them out in the wheat field. You know, they're walking around out there yeah. in the wheat field, and, and they do eat carrion. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, they're kind of opportunistic, but they yeah. will they eat carrion. They will eat the same same fare that ducks and waterfowl go after too. So yeah. Sean, you've met, you've brought some sausages. That's kind of your forte, and, yeah. and I always look forward to taking some home with me. One that my buddy still raves about is the pineapple sausage. Yep. Do you guys process everything yourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's something to be said about that because I do not. To me, yeah. you know, it's like a well, I have a great relationship. Well, place, and having a place like Cinnamon Creek, yeah. I can understand everything why. that you have ever brought from them. Has it's been good, fantastic. Yeah. So, if maybe if I had a butcher shop around us, or you know, a, that made stuff that was good, which we do have one that makes a particular type of deer snack sticks, and everybody takes it to that area. But beyond that, they their stuff is just like everybody else. Sucks, dude. I'm not gonna lie, it sucks. So I would just soon cut my own. I know what I have. Uh-huh. Process it. I can everything I make compared to theirs is any of the butcher shops around. Is, in my opinion, is better. Yeah, I still like so, doing it too. Even if we had a place that was good, like if 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 I was available to Cinnamon Creek Ranch, or I guess I should say, if they were available to me, I would take stuff to them. But I would still do stuff myself as well. Yeah. yeah. So when I was here deer hunting with Greg a couple weeks ago, we had some sausages that you guys made, Greg. Have you got? Have you been doing that a long time too? And the same boat, Shaw Jeff. And I've tried a lot of different things over the years, but sausages for on the grill. Uh-huh. Uh, had a friend come over this past summer and showed me how to do that for the first time. Yeah. He brought his own stuffer and, and everything, and he showed me how to do it, um, mainly with it for my wife. Um, and uh turned out phenomenal. Natural uh, casings or collagen? What kind of case? Casings. Yep. Okay, there you go. And uh, turned out we enjoyed it. It was fun doing it. Um, like Jeff was just saying, it's nice to know that that's your own meat, you know, where it came from, how yep. it was taken care of, and what goes in it. Yeah. When we made ours, um, I told my friend to leave out all the cures. If we're going to be cooking the pork all the way, well done, I don't see why we need a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the cure can add color and flavor and this and that, but you know, we wanted a healthier sausage, a hotter sausage. We have, my wife <laughs> has yeah. not found a sausage that's hot enough for her, <laughs> and that's yeah. our goal on it. It got accomplished. And, and not to not to knock the cures, not to knock the cures. There's a place for them. Yes. So like nitrates, nitrites. Like do your research. The, too much of anything is bad for you. But fresh sausage, you know, any, any fresh sausage, yeah. I really don't use. No, huh? The only time I will ever use a cure, and you'll see this today, is I made kind of like a, a Polish or Andouille or something like that. To where, honestly, for the for me, the cures, um, you're gonna get that. You're gonna, it's gonna give the meat more of a hammy type texture and stuff like that. So if you're wanting to do like a smoked sausage, to where you're gonna grind it, uh, do a fine grind, and you'll get that like a Polish, a kielbasa, and Dewey. You know, they're just certain sausages that that's how they are. That's how they've been. 
that's what they are. Really, but then, it, for the most part, you can do a lot of pork sausages, just however. It any is, of so. the sausages that you're going to smoke, the mm-hmm. cure, in my opinion, is a good idea. Yeah. Because if if you're smoking them, getting a lot of smoke flavor, you're bringing them up slow, mm-hmm. and it's going to hit that danger zone mm-hmm. for uh, bacteria. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the cure keeps you from getting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the nitrates go, if you know, if you're the type of person who drinks beer. And I, I have uh, met. I, I, on this room, I think I, we're all that guy. I, I, I've, met, I've met a couple of people in my life yeah. that drink beer, and you will get more. You will get more nitrates out of one bottle of beer than you will a sausage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, it's just it's, one of those things. If you ate it every day, like the, uh, how how often have we been back and forth that bacon's good for you, bacon's bad for you? Bacon is good for you. Ba- yeah. Well, even if it's not good for you, I don't you can't really care. live forever. Yeah. And you know, die happy. Well, it's going to kill you, Jeff. Exactly. Yeah. You got to go we'll, buy something, you know? <laughs> we're we're, we're <laughs> so talking it's, about... It's the, re, it's the first crumpy old man, I think, where uh, Jack Lemon's dad is fishing in the <laughs> it is ice shack, and he's like, yeah, give me a six-pack of uh, Schlitz or something and a pound of bacon, <laughs> and I smoke a pack of cigarettes every day. And he's like 90 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Something's going to kill you. Uh-huh. Yeah, back back to the sausages. So I just I don't want... Sean, your sausages have always been so amazing. We'll say Cinnamon Creek. I got other clients, other people I know. Um, Ernie, that y'all know, yep. takes his deer to the Cinnamon Creek. They, I've never had anything but a phenomenal, phenomenal, yeah. top notch. That's from them. But Sean, I always look forward to your sausages, especially tonight. They're always so good, so good. And it actually got me into it. It's a lot of work. It's work. It is. But if, if you if you if you set yourself up with the proper proper tools, um, like I got a one and a half horse grinder now. Uh, I don't know, but you can put two before in a damn thing. I mean, yeah, not, not so just a three quarter horse. You know, I mean, Av- Avid Armor wanted to get out of just the like the vacuum sealing and stuff like that. They're a local company out of Kansas City, and I, I don't really do much sponsored crap anymore like i kind of backed out of it but i told him well, i'd Sean help got off of social media recently that's how disenfranchised he is with the whole deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. but anyways avid armor they're good, good. For you. I if, if i i don't know i don't want to knock on your stuff but they're they're a small local company uh they branched off from a larger company of which i'm not going to talk about not in the outdoors but their their vacuum sealing is what they were kind of in for but they wanted to get into the home processing stuff too and especially you know uh covid there was a lot of people that needed a new hobby so they're like hey good time and so they do like grinders and stuff like that so they sent me i had a cabela's i think one and a half horse it was a 400 hundred dollar grinder i mean you can grind a whole cow in probably 20 minutes 15 minutes this thing eric saw how long did it take me to grind all that meat yeah so <laughs> i had 70 or 50 pounds that day that i did and well avid armor they sent one out that would have been comparable and i'm like wow it looks it's a little bit slimmer but it Ground up, I think, 50 pounds of wild boar, which is what the brats are made with. And I got some stock. That's hog. what I like about it, too, is you guys yeah. come back with stuff we killed here. That you, you know, yeah. next year you bring. And this, these, yeah, this is here. Stuff so that you had already shot here the year before. That's, well, but yeah. What Sean showed me is that you can put anything you want in. No, it's like, yeah, sausage. It's pineapple, like. Sausage, it's, pineapple, sausage. No, it's like. Sure. It's like pizza, mine and Cable's friend, uh, Hank Shaw. He, uh, Who's, who's a really good friend of mine, he kind of compared it to jazz. It's like the same song done 2,000 different ways, you know. But it sausage, for me, is kind of the same way. Like, I, I kind of got stuck in, like, the pineapple, the pineapple jalapeno, the fresh German brats, 
uh, the smoked andouille types, Polishes. Um, those are some of the bigger ones, but you can do whatever the hell you want, man. You can make a taco sausage. You could make a Philly cheesesteak sausage if you wanted to. You could do a buffalo. Okay, well, these are your projects yeah. for next year. <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. It's not even next year. This is this is going to be stuff I'm working on when I go home. I, I ground up. I'm at 75 pounds that I've made in the last probably three weeks. Hmm. And I still have easily that much more to go. So I haven't even touched my deer. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you, what, if people wanting to get into sausage making, you know, you don't have to jump into a giant mix, uh, grinder. A KitchenAid with a uh, grinder is sufficient. Yeah, small batch. Uh, it's all It's all batch. how much you want to do. If you uh, want to do five pounds. Try, if you want to start it, get yourself. If you don't happen to have any wild game, go buy yourself a pork shoulder. Grind it up and make breakfast sausage. You can buy pre-mixed. Uh, that legs uh, is I'm legit. Slap you legs. If you don't stop interrupting your elder but, over here. But uh, you know, but you can buy a pre-mixed package, <laughs> and in my opinion, most of them always need more flavoring and less salt. Uh-huh. But you can get on the you know on the internet and look up breakfast sausage recipes and look at it and go, okay, I think I'd like a little bit more of this. That I would suggest following the recipe, dead nuts the first time, and make make two pounds. Mm. Try it. Yep. And if you don't, then you go, okay, I think it might take a little bit more sage. Me, when I make mine, I don't measure. You're the Picasso. You get to do whatever you want with yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't, Try it I don't as you're making any it. of my stuff. Well, some things I do, but like breakfast sausage, I don't. I'm dumping in, you know, I like basil in mine, sage in it, uh, a few red pepper flakes, ground pepper. It's, it's a simple, simple thing to do. I would suggest making it the, the day before you want to cook it because the the, the – you use a lot of dried spices, dried mm. herbs, and it takes a while to reconstitute, and it will it will change, and it will oh, get yeah. better. Keep keep your salt to a minimum. Uh, salt will you can add salt, but you cannot take it away. Yeah. And salt over salting things, and most commercial mixes, in my opinion, have too much salt in them. Okay. Salt is a great thing, but too much is too much. And but start with breakfast sausage if you if you're a little, and you can actually even. Cut that thing up with a with a knife and cut it in chunks and try it. Breakfast sausage is the simplest to do, and find your recipe, throw the stuff in there, cook it, and you could actually even start it and cook you a couple patties the second day and go. That's not bad, but man, if it had just a little bit more before zip you freeze or it. a little bit more heat and add to it, try as you go, try yeah. as you go, always cut. try as you go. Well, like I said, it's all Greek to me. I've never made a sausage in my life, but uh, certainly look forward to sampling the various different recipes that you guys bring to the table year in and year out here at hunting camp. Um, We are going to take a quick break because we've still got bacon jam to get into. Yes, bacon jam. If you haven't tried it, oh, you're missing out. Uh, I don't know that there's anything that compares to Jeff's bacon jam, though. And then a sacrifice that Greg made kind of under the cover of darkness that most of his hunters never even knew about. <laughs> uh, that segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Dim lights, big smoke, and loud, loud music is the only kind of light you'll ever understand. 
Hey guys, Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions, I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit bobcatofdallas.com today. Lightland Calvary, living by moonlight, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today. I've still got uh, my good friends here lined up for the hunting camp roundtable discussion. Sean Callahan, his cousin Jeff Callahan, and uh, our outfitter and my longtime friend Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors. And we'll pick it back up with that discussion here in just a second. First, though, this segment is proudly brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company, America's coffee company. Uh... Greg, God bless him, had some Folgers for us in camp, and uh, I don't blame him. Outfitters, you know, they got to keep everything stocked up. They're not gonna, they're not gonna splurge on us with the black rifle. So, I brought the black rifle to the party. Sean saw that he started making coffee every morning. Of course, the Folgers went back in the cabinet, and for good reason. Black rifle offers premier roasts in light, dark, or medium. Medium tends to be my favorite because I don't put any of that. Cream or sugar in there? Uh, no, sir. Black is the only way to go. And Black Rifle Coffee also offers you 20% off your entire coffee order. They've also got great swag, T-shirts, caps, all that cool stuff at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use the promo code LONESTAR20 for 20% off at checkout. All right. Well, guys, let's get back into it here. And let's start with Bacon Jam. The last two years, and I think you... 
brought me a jar of it this year. Yep. Of bacon jam. <laughs> the the <laughs> bacon jam. I, I never knew that like bacon and jam went together until you handed it to me. And and then I found out, okay, it's kind of a commercial thing. You can get it at little uh, artsy fartsy, yep. you know. But he a, was the first a one. of my show knew that I'd been talking about it or posted a picture of it yep. or something. And he went and bought bacon jam at a store and sent it to me. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is good. Do you want this? You ain't getting Jeff's bacon jam, but you can sure yeah. as hell have this, whatever it is. It's it's kind of funny. The, ba- the bacon jam came about from the big Alabama Tammy <laughs> as, well, as my wife. Uh, one day, yeah, I cured my own bacon. Mm-hmm. And it's the best bacon how I've it ever came had. About, I also got a package of that. Yes. Which, which is weird because one day, it, it just came about one day, I thought, I'm going to make I, And I've done this with other things. Homemade biscuits. You know, one of the easiest things to do, but they can be good or they can be bad. I said, I'm going to find me a good recipe. I'm going to make it to where I can make a homemade biscuit. I can make a homemade biscuit. Uh-huh. It took me a while, and but I can make a homemade biscuit. And then one day, I've been sitting around and thought, I wonder how hard it is to do bacon. Yeah, he's eating, you know, store-bought bacon, which is one of the greatest things in the world. Yeah. And I love bacon. I said, I just wonder how much well, different you homemade bacon is. Uh-huh. And so uh, I, you know, got on the wonderful internet, you know, you know, information at the tip of our fingers. And I thought, how hard is it? I got to look and thought, oh, you got to cure it for this long. And I thought, eh, him hauled around about it, you know, being a lazy. But I said, I'm buying me a, a pork belly and I'm going to make some bacon. And I... Again, I started with the recipe, followed it to the T. This recipe I got off the internet, and it was, you start with half of a belly, which is average four and a half, five pounds, and he adds a cup and a half of salt, uh, kosher salt, sugar, this, that, and the other. Well, we'll get into that, but salt by volume is so different than salt by weight. Brand to brand, <laughs> box to box yes, will change is. a lot. But anyways, so I did it, and I thought, that ain't bad. It was salty. Next one, I, I used, a, I did it a little bit, and I didn't. I left it in a shorter period of time. Still salty. Rinsed it off, and if you do too much salt and you rinse soaking it, and that's one of the ways they they've done it forever, you take the chance of rinsing too much salt out of it. So I go by weight now on the salt. But anyways, so basically getting back to get a bacon jam. So I'm making this bacon, and it's good. And I do the I, I don't trim mine before I put it in there. I mean, I kept silver skin off and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And if there's any little pieces hanging off, I will. But I just cut mine in half. And the reason I do that is for size management. Cut it in half and do it. And then the ends, you know, you're going to have four ends. And it's like anything else. They get, they flat plain soak up the smoke and stuff. That is my favorite part of the bacon. It's like burn ends. Yes. Which and, is like my favorite Part yeah, of and, and like my wife says, yes. she goes, why don't you just take a whole belly and just do it like in four inch strips, which is is coming. That's the next project because then you have nothing but ends. Yeah. So, but all these ends I cut off, and she, we had a whole bunch of them. And she goes, "I'm making bacon jam." I thought, well, I've told you no in the past and it didn't work out so well. So I thought, go ahead, take all my favorite parts <laughs> of the bacon and make bacon jam because I'm like, I'm thinking bacon jam, right? And, this uh, wasn't a and, thing. But like, I, I, I never heard she, of it. She happened to see it somewhere. And uh, I said, where'd you get this recipe? Oh, I saw it somewhere, you know, a year ago. And if you know my wife, she doesn't measure shit either. She's going to do things. And so I come walking in the door and I thought, man, I don't know what you're cooking, but it smells delicious. That's bacon jam. I thought, I was wrong. 
bacon jam <laughs> still stupid. And it takes a lot of bacon to do it, you know. And uh, she used these ends, and I'm thinking, and I'm still mad she used all my ends. I love cutting them up, and, you know, that's my favorite part. Bacon jam, you know. And I tried some, I thought. I'm not mad anymore. I thought, you got lucky, woman. This ain't <laughs> <laughs> you know? you yeah. get to stay another year. And uh, she started taking this stuff, you know, like any time we went to a gathering, she'd take it. And, I mean, people, and at first it just sits there. And if you tell people it's bacon jam, they'll walk right past it. Bacon. And once somebody starts eating it, next thing you know is, you know, some somebody is licking the bowl. It's like, wow. So what else so, is in it? Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Right. But, well, no, uh, he's not joking. It is simple. It is true. Now, the amounts and stuff, I don't know because, like I said, Tammy makes it, and she doesn't measure things. But I do know that it takes, for a pound of bacon, she uses two large onions. And she likes, you know, the sweet onions, Texas sweet onions. And uh, you, but you can use it whatever you want. But she uses two large onions, so there's a lot of onions. So uh, she sautés those down. It has uh, a, a touch of Worcestershire and balsam, uh, balsamic vinegar. She uh, she bounces back between balsamic glaze and just straight vinegar. If she uses the glaze, that's she puts it in. There's the, the bacon chunks, the bacon, the glaze, the if she uses straight vinegar, then she'll add a little bit of uh, sugar. And as far as I know, I think that's about all she puts in it. Well, it's freaking. And, I just yeah. eat it out of the jar, or sometimes I make a breakfast sandwich with a, you know, a runny egg and put the bacon jam oh on it, or with a bagel or biscuit or something. Yeah, oh. my, my youngest Toast, son, poached egg and some he of that. loves it on, on eggs. I mean, he would he would eat hundred pounds up a week if you made it for him. Yeah, but like I said, it takes you know a pound of bacon. I mean, those jars in there. That's two pounds of bacon. Oh wow. And uh, and it's all bacon ends. It's the it's the best part. Well, you're of the a whole, good friend. The whole thing. For sure. <laughs> and uh, so so shifting gears. One thing that we ate last night, and you're gonna have to give us the abridged version. Greg and I were just like fawning over this as we we're you know shoving it shoveling it into our faces at midnight. You brought out this back strap <laughs> that you had. Was pastrami or something? Yep. And and this isn't anything. The backstrap was new. Yeah. But you guys have given us goose pastrami yes. from your snow geese and stuff. And duck. And duck, which no. has been amazing. Uh, but this was like, oh, man, it was so tender. So quick version of how you made that. Uh, uh, basically, you can use pickling spices, whatever. But me, I use a lot of caraway seed, uh, a little coriander, black pepper, salt. Uh, little Italian seasoning, but really uh, bay leaf. Uh-huh. You can buy just any, go anywhere and buy pickling spice. Throw it in a coffee grinder, turn it into powder. I, I like doing that, and I, what, real quick, I, I throw it in a frying pan first, heat it up to where you see them start, just starting to jump. That brings the oils out. Throw them in my coffee grinder and rub it down. Uh, I do add salt, which I do 2% per weight salt. Okay. And I use Point zero two five percent pink salt, curing salt. And it's not oh, Himalayan pink salt either. No, this no, insecure prog powder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Prog powder number one. Yeah. You put it in the refrigerator. Yes, I, I rub it. I rub it down all sides, vacuum pack it or uh, Ziploc bag. Right, wrap it up tight in the refrigerator. Right. And I, I prefer to leave it a minimum of five days. Depends okay. on the size of your meat. Up to a week. When you weigh your salt. You don't have to worry about it over salt. Okay. So you can leave it in there 10 days, 12 days. If you do salt by volume, you have to watch it. Yep. But anyways, 
let's say it's been in there for a week. I pull it out, rinse it off with warm water, uh, dry it off real good, put it back in the refrigerator uh, for a day and let it form a pellicle. You know, it dries and it'll, when it's dry, it'll take in smoke better. I pull it out, take a, doesn't have to be good stuff now, just a bourbon. I mean, you can use 10 cup whiskey any, uh, and it doesn't really matter. It just some kind of moisture, but I like the bourbon. Sorry to because, all the 10 cup drinkers out yeah, there. But, <laughs> low blow. but I mean, but any, any, anything, that's what I used last time. If it doesn't I had say some. Kentucky on it, I'm not <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But in, anything like that works, brandy, anything, uh, wine, moisten it down. And I, I use uh, coarse brown pepper with about a, a 75, 25% mix with that and coriander seeds that I've thrown in. Again, mustard seeds, too. I, a few mustard seeds. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw some caraway seeds on it. Yes. Again, I've thrown it on the uh, in the skillet, heat it up a little bit, grind it at very coarse, coat it, throw it in a smoker. My smoker is an older smoker, propane. I have to watch my heat. So I'll just get my fire going. I try to keep it down the first three or four hours, basically cold smoke it. Then I kick the heat up and let it cook to let's let's just say let's just say 150 because that's what everybody calls safe me personally i pull mine at 140 okay i throw it directly in the refrigerator cool it down quick i wrap it tight and uh slice and enjoy do you not use a backstrap for this but you don't yeah. always, it, that, I mean, that was just fall in your mouth tender fall yeah it was tender no it's a great and, cut yeah and I, I have used the uh you know on on a, on a deer, on the back leg. You Any have, of the sirloins. You have the entire sirloin. And yeah. The, you know, you have the, the football roast. You know, everybody calls it football roast. That makes a fabulous one. Top uh, round, bottom round. The, t- the top round is kind of a, a, a rectangular <laughs> shape of meat. Very, very grainy. Works excellent again because, yep. you know, you can cut it across the grain. Cut it cut it thin. The last one of those I had, I, I put it in a, a vegetable steamer. Steamed it up to temperature. Got, it kind of turns it soft. Then made Rubens out of it. Mm. Fantastic, mm. fantastic. Oh yeah. I've so Sean, you gave me some of that goose pastrami last year, and I made uh, Rubens for yes. my neighbor and I. Oh, so good. If if people are wanting like a super simple base just to look off of, um, I started doing this, and I think it piggyback. Like you're like holy. Shit. So basically, Hank Shaw. Well, actually, has, actually, I called you and said you need to do this, dude. Uh, yeah, Hank. Yeah. So yeah, Hank, because Hank Shaw, and I just happened to see Hank Duck, Shaw's Duck thing. Goose. Yeah. And this is what I tell people: if you want a base to go off of, and, and, and recipes are bases, like you don't have to follow them to a T. Recipes are inspiration. For yes, you to riff on it. But, and yes, kind of make it so your own. yeah, if you Google Hank Shaw Goose Pastrami, it's going to pop up. It's it's a very minimal minimalist uh, recipe list, like. You know, Jeff went over all the salts, the cures, and all that. The only thing I do to a little bit different on mine is um, I'll grind up. And these are things, if you want to start doing any of the processing, you need a kitchen scale. It's gonna, You're going to have to weigh. You're going to have to weigh. You can't do ounces, cups, tablespoons, teaspoons. You, have, you, need, you can get a kitchen scale from Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart, Target, anywhere. They all have them. Uh, they're simple. They're cheap. Wives out of those places, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but in all seriousness, you have to have that. Like you said, the biggest thing, salts, man. They will make or they will break any recipe. I'm going out to there. target my my damn self. That. So yeah, <laughs> that way no. I'll get out of there. Just one just get on Amazon and get a basic. Ba- yeah, bill. Amazon kitchen scale. Get a kitchen scale. Weigh your stuff. Scale. If you want to do the pastrami, Hank's oh. recipe is all volume. Yes, and, and he says this is good for three to five pounds. Yes. So because it's. 
that the pastrami is not that exact. You, you need some kind of you need some kind of like spice grinder too. That helps a lot. That like a mag, one of those stupid magic bullets or whatever mm. works no, perfect. Get your get your coffee grinder. Yeah, they, they work great. Well, shoot, Jeff. Probably in today's world, half the audience already has one that they uh, use to grind up weed with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, there no, you no, go. No, that's not. That's not. But yeah, thing, so but, yeah. the but, the pastrami. The only thing I, I do, and and this is like the guideline. I mean, you, you can stir out the path. It's fine. So I'll add garlic, onion, like chopped onion. Um, like you can dry garlic, minced garlic, and then you know mustard seed, coriander. I, I one thing I have not done yet, and is the juniper berries. They have a distinct type. They me, have. A, I've used juniper berries on things in the past, and it has a whack kind of a whack. To me, it has a waxy aftertaste. Look, look at the ingredients. Go. That's the stuff I like. Follow that recipe to a T to start with. Yep. Do your first one that way. Don't start changing things because what what might make that particular thing work is the one thing you might omit the first time, mm-hmm. and then go from there. Okay. You know uh, that I always suggest. Always suggest follow a recipe that somebody has done already, and start with that. Small batches too. Small see batches. every time. See every time I hang out with you guys, it inspires me to want to make my own stuff. But uh, then I just go to Cinnamon Creek. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 like I said, to be honest, though, cable can't do what you want, like pineapple. Yeah, or I know. There, but, but or, but if I had your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I would do the same because yeah. the you're still going to do your own offer that. So no, I mean, but that, that's a simple thing. Yeah. Anybody can you could do, do it. it. Yeah. I, anybody who has you could do it with the Sandhill Cranes, man. That'd be phenomenal. That, that I, but then again, why would you do this? Because why not? Crane? Well, you did it with a backstrap. So yeah, oh, I, that's, hey, that's a backstrap. Yeah. I would like to sound like you know. Well, yeah, I use I use you know that backstrap for that. But here's how that happened: is I pulled out about ten pounds of meat, and when I pulled it out, I didn't read. I didn't read it that well, and it looked exactly like the top of the circle, uh, the rectangular piece. So I grabbed yeah. it. I thought, oh, when I got out there, I thought, oh, that's backstrap. And when I started making it, I thought, I just swore I pulled out a piece of the sirloin. And uh, my daughter was coming home for Christmas, so I'm going to make her some. I thought, well, it's out. I'm going to go ahead and make it. Got it all in the cure. As I'm putting it back in the refrigerator, I go, huh. <laughs> Look at that piece right there in front of my face. So it... it it's a happy you know, mess up, is yeah. what it turned out okay. Oh, it's fooled us, and we expect yeah. backstrap but, all the time now. And, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that, but you know, no. when I pulled it out last night, uh, and you said, Oh, that's backstrap. I was looking at it, and I could picture that backstrap, you know, <laughs> on my grill. <laughs> yeah, thought, we got to wrap this up. I, I want to say thanks to Greg. Yeah. And Greg and I have been friends for, we were thinking about it the other day. You were probably either a sophomore or junior in he was high a school baby. when we started hunting together. And I've said that I've told this story on the air. We met at Academy looking at teal decoys. And then we started hunting together. And then Greg went off to Texas Tech and he'd invite me up for the pheasant opener. You know, Greg, he wasn't about, well, he was about drinking beer, but he wasn't so much about the chasing the girls and partying. He was knocking on doors looking for places to go hunting. Yeah. Which worked out great for me. He's like, hey, I mean, I shot my first pheasant out there. I shot my first sandhill crane out there. I shot my first uh, lesser Canada goose out there. And we had some help, you know. Hellacious good times. I have a picture that Greg took, and I'm laying in the floor. Clearly, I want to have a few too many beers. And Bell's like laying on top of me. You remember that picture? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I remember a lot of good times. Okay, we, well, <laughs> we, <laughs> we too many good times, but I remember them all. <laughs> and we still do to this day. And a lot of that is because of the hard work this man Greg put into in. his outfit, whether it's fishing trips, 
or you want to come and hunt hogs or ducks or deer or whatever. And I was here two weeks ago deer hunting with Greg. And he told me this story, and it was just kind of like off the cuff. I don't even think he, I don't think he realized I didn't know this. So he has this lodge to sleep six, six, six people or so, yeah. or, or you could do a couple families, yeah. you know. But when he first started out, you know, like all of us, money is <laughs> is hard oh, to yeah. come by, and you're trying to make it in the world. And he's he didn't have, you know, he's since built a nice house over here that his lovely wife uh, Sandra and their new baby boy Isaac are over there, and thank God for her because the the amount of spicy, delicious things we get to eat now, or oof, it's awesome. Um, but he says, yeah, I used to sleep in my boat. And I'm like, well, your boat is in the shop. There's no heat Un- Uninsulated, <laughs> mind you. I was like, you did what for a reason, though. Yeah. <laughs> and so he tells me the story, and I'm just like, I'm, my mind is blown at what he was willing to sacrifice. I mean, he doesn't even shower he takes a he craps outside, <laughs> and his clients have no idea. No, and actually, the reason for that is you know obviously the lodge not the biggest, but you know got you know four single beds and a king size bed. I've um, slept on this couch many times. Yes, yep. yep. Two bathrooms, two showers, but you know really I took on a lot of debt, and um, you got to take big uh, risk to have a good reward, and. Um, when I was first uh, started guiding and needing to make ends meet, very well, you know, especially when I have two families or several guys, I can, you know, have this other room and I can hold more people. Yeah. Of course, I got plenty of blinds and plenty of feeders and plenty of places to take people hunting. It's just the uh, lodging was the limited factor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I said, well, I could sleep on my boat and get an extra person or two and make an extra Six, seven hundred bucks. That was a no-brainer for me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I got good enough clothes. and uh, You put an air mattress in there or what? No, I use a backpacking mattress. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. An REI backpacking mattress. Because um, I got a center console. It gets so. colder here than it does in Dallas, by the way. Like I got a center console boat, so you can't just put a Walmart blow-up mattress mm-hmm. in there. It's got to be a backpacking one of one man little uh, mattress but it worked out it was cold colder better because i had more clothes on made more comfortable you just showed up ready to hunt every day because that's what you slept in that's right and the (laughs) reason why i slept in the boat is because the boat i never saw a mouse turd turd, (laughs) or i knew a snake could never get it in the boat i've been bit by a rattlesnake so there was all critters in there. When I'd wake up in the middle of the night here in the whole place, I would, the place would be reorganized in the morning, you know? But you know, when, I was, when I was sleeping, I'd wake up all the time to all sorts of critters. And, but I never saw anything in the boat. I, I, um, I mean, so that's why I felt safe in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the man just trapped a bobcat a couple of weeks ago, what, 15 feet from where the boat lives. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So, well, yeah, there's, crit- there's critters. Still your chicken, so. How many chickens did that bobcat get? She got three. But she's not getting any more. No. no. <laughs> she's not getting any more. Well, Greg, we appreciate your sacrifice. Absolutely. Absolutely. His sacrifice is our reward. Yeah, so yeah, we appreciate the Cable, the, you, you know, you had brought six years, I think, or seven. I don't know. But, there, I mean, the, the biggest reasons, like, obviously, you and him, like, Greg, 
it's you know you, you could you could go somewhere else and try to book somewhere else and get like a big corporate deal but like you know you don't get that here like i mm-hmm. i would consider greg my friend like 100 percent. T- and and, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now like i've never met anyone that puts more into hunting than this guy and i, I know jeff like jeff he he's analytical you, you can vouch for this eric like the guy is constant the wheels constantly spinning is to where i'm like ah, oh, evett let's just go you know let's just go with it and the first time, and I'm kind of surprised I've never seen you do this, Jeff, because Jeff is like very, you're particular. Like I've learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot of hunting from this guy. I have never in my life seen a man place decoys. Yeah, well, Greg wasn't on the hunt this morning, so the guide, me, went back to the old school of just chucking those decoys. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Greg does play some. He's real particular. I ha- I have been throwing decoys for a long time. You know, just they yeah, put decoys on water. Yeah, you're and, just putting blocks out and counting on my calling, and you know, and just things happen. Started hunting with Greg, and I was, I watched him the first day. I thought, okay, the ring next to by the we're ring. We're gonna and I, and I asked Greg. I don't know if you remember this. I said, Greg, did you think it matters putting divers with divers? He goes, I don't just put divers by divers. I put redheads by redheads. I put teal <laughs> by teal. Yeah, and uh, it got daylight and bigger than hell. A ringneck comes in. You know, ringnecks will decoy. I mean, if you hunt ringnecks, they will land with mallards. He had a couple ringneck decoys out, and that ringneck landed with the ringneck. And and I noticed it. I thought, that's kind of strange. And then then we had canvasback. And at this point, I'd only ever killed one canvasback in my entire career. Killed at Grand Pass. And we had some canvasback come in. And where did they land? Greg had two Drake canvasback, two redheads, and a couple of hens and those cans on that that in in that decoy spread, which is not huge, and it's not we're not talking you know we're not talking 150 decoys, we're not talking spread out over 50 yards. It's in this little area. Then and Greg goes, you see with them cans, this <laughs> and, I, and and you know so I, I take I took that home with me, and I still you know we're one we of our, our favorite ponds to hunt. I will still throw decoys because the where the creek that they 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 dammed gets deep i place my decoys now by watching greg mm-hmm. i mean i've been hunting ducks for a long time and i know decoy you know how you set your decoys make a difference but i watch greg and greg setting his decoys in a certain certain and i'm watching and i thought you know you actually give them put more space between your decoys than i did i used to pile them in closer and i'd have a lot of ducks that would hover and circle hover and circle hover great Greg puts decoys, you know, puts ducks on well, the water. Well, you know, Greg's not decoys. just a hunting and fishing guy. He also has a master's in wildlife management. Too, right. So he understands and, wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, This it's not by oh, chance. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's get this yeah. straight. It's not just he just, just got lucky. I, I noticed that he puts more space between his decoys. I, I tell everybody the same thing. It doesn't matter what state you live in or what country or anything. You know, match what you see. Yep. Yeah. I, I believe in go out scouting or whatever you see scouting. Try to match it because yeah. that's what the birds are seeing. Match the species, match match the uh, formations, how many. If you're seeing a bunch of birds, maybe you put out a bunch of decoys. If you're seeing not many birds, put out fewer decoys. If you're seeing, you know, if you're not seeing any widgeons, don't put out any widgeon decoys. Nobody puts out ringneck decoys. And I think they're kind of like your... I do. Um, <laughs> decoy, just like people put a great blue heron out or something, you know. There's so many hunters, and time they get to, down to Texas, they've been hunted so much and shot at. 
you have to have something different yeah. than your neighbor. Absolutely. And I think having the more species really makes it look more. It, yeah. Because you, you, know, you know, those ducks have seen one million sprays. Oh, God. Uh, you guys are from, at the from, end. You notice we don't use mojos. Down there. They've also seen anywhere from two mallards to 400 mallards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, you know, everybody wants to kill mallards. I mean, everybody, me, I love killing ducks. Well, damn, that one needs to be on a T-shirt, Jeff. Me, I love killing ducks. Yeah, me too. I think we'll end on a high there. I uh, got to get ready to go thermal hog hunting. First, eat a quick dinner. I think uh, bacon-wrapped crow is on the menu, among other things. Thanks to Greg for having us out once again. Thanks to you guys for coming all the way from Missouri. Sean, Jeff, Eric, Mike, uh, certainly enjoyed it as always. And I look forward to next year. I would, I would like to say, you know, this is for Bell, boys. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, old girl. I sure do miss you. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to all of our guests, Jeff, Sean Callahan, Greg Pavor. Thanks to you guys and gals for tuning in to today's broadcast. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. And specifically, Big and J Whitetail Attractants for bringing you that last segment. Uh, the stuff just works. I'm just going to leave it at that. Put it out. Put a camera on it and sit back and enjoy the results. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at bigandj.com. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Blink of an eye. Young and never old. And long run.